Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Maxine Strobeck. Holy Spirit, we love you, God. Your presence has been so good today. Holy Spirit, thank you, God, for everything you've been saying and doing. We set our hearts to you, God. Our focus on you, God. We're hungry, we're expectant. You're going to move, God. You're going to say what you want to say, Lord. Freedom, Lord, right now over this room. Freedom, Lord. Every mind, every heart, every life. Freedom. Freedom. The desires of your heart fulfilled when you delight yourself in Him. Seeking after Him. Oh, you're so good, God. There's none like you, God. Oh, thank you, God. We won't be distracted. We're coming to sit at your feet. We're just going to hear what you want to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Moses. You're amazing. Praise God. I'll let you have a seat. You can chill out. I really like that music, though. Do you know, I really felt as we came into the presence of God today in praise and worship, like Ashley said, that there's a, a real need to rest, and I felt a weariness, a heaviness. And as though there's, there's, a, there's a, 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 a weight that's been sitting on people's lives, as though there's a, a tiredness and the presence of God brings rest. And as we were in the presence of God, I felt a shift from the beginning of praise and worship to the end where we began to just seek God and we began to shut down to everything else. And as the praises went up, the glory came down. And as our hearts began to open up and sing and declare and shout and be free in the presence of God, that the glory of God came down. And it's that reminder that we've got to keep ourselves focused on Him. Don't let the things and the atmosphere around us be what has our attention but be people who have the blinders on and I'm not listening to what's going on in the demonic realm but I'm here to listen to God and I will be the one who, be, who lifts my chin and sets my eyes on heaven and declares the goodness of God and in that place of focus and praise and worship to him comes that focus and it opens up heaven and down comes the life and the water and the freedom and the goodness and suddenly even though I'm present in the same situation everything has changed everything changes when we release faith and we encounter God so this morning this isn't even my message but this morning be focused on God hunger for him say God I'm coming to you to hear your word to interact and encounter your spirit be hungry for him and he will pour out whatever he wants to pour out whatever it is that you need whatever it is I need God is so good. So uh, we've got a lot of scripture today because we love the Word of God, amen? So grab your Bibles or your phones out and uh, turn to John chapter 6, verse 33. Glory to God. Do you know, I wanna, uh, the Word that God gave me today I want to preach on today is going to bring balance to the, body, to the body. I really believe that there's, there are ditches we can fall into when it comes to ministers and how we view God's ministers and how we view God and how we treat God's ministers. Whether we, uh, in one ditch, we worship them as though they were God himself and we have expectation upon them or whether in the other ditch, we dishonor them and we treat them like they're expendable and they're nothing. And I believe there's a middle ground and God's going to bring a picture that he gave me that helps me understand understand how I'm supposed to honor God's vessel, how I'm supposed to value the vessel of God, but remember to hunger for the contents in that vessel. So I honor the vessel, but I hunger for the contents for God. 
And it's going to bring in us an understanding and a balance of how to rightly honour God's ministers and how to stay hungry directly for God himself. So John 6.33 says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. This world is covered in death. Everywhere we go, there is problem and poverty and brokenness. And in the midst of it all, God gave bread to the world, life. And it doesn't mean physical life. It means a spiritual life, a supernatural victorious life, like the life in heaven, like the life God first created when he made Adam and Eve in the garden. That is the bread of life God gives unto the world. Verse 34, we're going to read right down to 35. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. I love their hunger. Yes, God, give us this bread. Give us this life. Then Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. What a promise. Thank you, Jesus. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You know, before I got saved, I got saved when I was about 19. Uh, I had an encounter, a short encounter with God when I was 13, but it didn't last very long. And at 19, I really made a commitment to Jesus because um, I remembered I remembered him from the first encounter. And, uh, and at 19, I was depressed. I was drinking. Um, I'd gone and just spent my youth. I'd just gone out and partied and just spent it trying to buy love. You know, young women in this world are trying to spend their body to buy love. I will give you my body in return. Give me love. And you spend it. You lose it. A, bit, a part of you goes everywhere you go. You lose. You lose who you are living that life. And the purchase I thought I was making would fall apart in my hands into ash. And I'd have to go and spend more of myself, spend more of my emotions to try to purchase something that would satisfy me, that would cause me to have a purpose and belong to something and be loved and know who I am and know that I'm okay and know that it's going to be good. And nothing I purchased was good enough to fill that. No relationship, no drug, no popularity, no position, no role could ever do it until I cried out to God and I said, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. There's nothing left in it. Help me. If you don't help me, I'm going to kill my myself and I'm going to come and see you. I know you're real, but I can't do this anymore. And Jesus, the bread of life, he said, come to me and believe. And I came and I just said, help me. And the bread of life came into my world in a way that satisfied my thirst. And I stopped hungering. No counseling could have done that. Jesus did it because he is the bread of life. John 4.14 says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus satisfies us. Because we're more than just a body. I don't just need bread and water physically. I'm more than a set of emotions and thoughts. I am a spirit. And I need the Spirit of God as bread and water for me to satisfy my hunger and quench my thirst forever. And if you're in this place and you don't have Jesus, all He says you need to do is just come and believe. John 6.35, He says, those who come to me and those who believe, just come and believe. You don't need a middleman in your relationship with Jesus. There is no priest between you and God. He said, come to me, come and believe. There's only two things that you need to do. 
come to God and believe. That's simple. And you can have the bread of life where you will never hunger again. You can be filled with water, fill of the waters of life that are going to gush and flow out of you into this world. And you will never thirst again. And all you need to do is come to God and believe. And that's what we did this morning. Where we came into that place, we began to really come to Him, tuning out to the room around us and just coming to God. Not to the band, not to the stage or to even to the music. Come to God and believe. Just come and believe. And in that is the receiving of the bread of life. In that is the receiving of the waters of life. And there is no middleman in that. First Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There is no man between you and God. Hebrews 8.6 But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Jesus, he is the mediator and only him. And it's a better covenant on better promises because in the Old Testament, you know, God is so holy and so perfect that the average person, there is no way you can even approach the presence of God. He's so holy. He's so holy. He's too good for us to approach. And so they had God uh, in the tabernacle, inside the tent, inside the temple. It was always such a separation. And, you know, once a year, the special priest could go in who'd gone through such ritual to even come close to being allowed to come in. And they'd put bells on his feet in case he hadn't done it right and he dropped dead. And they could hear the bells had stopped moving. And they'd drag him out by a rope if he died in the presence of God. God was so unapproachable, not because he didn't love us, but because he was so holy, perfect and pure and there was no way for us to approach God in our sinful state. The blood of animals could cover us, but they couldn't clean us out. But now the blood of Jesus, one sacrifice forever and that's it. And now all of that's done away with, the the veil tore in two, it is finished. And now I can come and believe and be filled with God. What a privilege. What a privilege. Don't waste our time waiting to be hungry for a middleman. Come and be hungry for God. Be filled every morning. Wake up hungry and get filled. Get filled with the bread. Get filled with life. With no middleman between you and God. Be hungry for Him. And know that we can go straight to Him. So God is bread, God is water, we go direct. But here's the thing about ministry and ministers. As a blessing to us, as a bonus to us, God appoints and he anoints vessels that carry the bread, vessels that carry the waters of life as an added way to receive him. Not the only way to receive him, Not to receive better water or better bread. It's the same bread. It's the same water. But he appoints, anoints, trains, disciples and matures these vessels that come. And a vessel of God, a minister of God, it's their profession. It's their full-time pursuit to fill up on God the best they can and pour God out. That's the function of a minister. 
In Acts, Paul said it's not meat for us to leave the prayer and the word of God to go and serve tables because this is our job, to fill up on God and then pour out God. Galatians 3.5 says, Galatians 3.5, He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you. A minister's job is to come and pour out and manifest the Spirit of God. They're not a middleman. They're an addition. They're a bonus. There's something that we might receive differently from God that we may not in our own space. But it's still a God you can have any time you want. Doeth he hit by the works of the law but or by the hearing of faith? Ministers preach the word. Spend that time in the word of God. So this picture of vessels, when I, because I've been through different circles of Christianity and I've been in both those ditches where I've uh, worshipped the minister and, and, you know, we've been in circles where we quote the minister or quote great ministers and it was almost like quoting the Bible. Even though we would say they're not perfect, you know, we'd, we'd acknowledge the correct doctrine that they're not perfect, but we would never dare question what they taught. And my goodness, you would never dare to disagree, even respectfully, even with a right attitude, you would never dare disagree with what minister so-and-so says. And I've been in the ditch of minister worship and put them up on a pedestal. And I've been in the other ditch of disrespecting ministers. And God showed me this picture in the middle where if we understand that the ministers of God are a vessel that contains God and that's their role, then I'm going to honour and respect that vessel correctly and yet hunger for the contents of God inside correctly. And I'm going to differentiate between the two. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. You're not God. No, but they are a vessel whom I should honour, correct? Because I'm hungry for the contents that are inside of it. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Ministers are vessels who are appointed and anointed to fill up in God and then to pour Him out. And you know, this helps us too, to stay out of a place of, well, like you've got to understand what the minister's job is. They're not there to be everyone's friend. It's not their job. They're not there to be everyone's counsellor. They're not counsellors. They're there to pour, fill up and pour out God. And so we've got to let the ministers do their job. They cannot be everyone's friend. They cannot be everyone's counsellor. And if you're a minister in this place, don't let people put that expectation on you because God doesn't. God expects you to fill up on His Word, fill up on His Spirit and pour it out to those who are hungry and those who want it. But you know, there's vessels that are... We bought these, I went to Kmart and I sort of did that thing where you're like, oh, two bucks, you know, for plates. How bad can they be? So I bought a whole bunch of, you know, the $2 plates that Kmart sells. And, um, and I thought, yeah, they'll be right. I got them home. Man, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to get rid of them because they're just, they're so heavy. They broke the wheels on my dishwasher because, you, you know, you slide dishwasher in and out, but they're really heavy and then they chip really easily. So now I've got like a drawer full of these chipped heavy plates. They're not very good vessels. They're annoying. They don't do the right job. They're, they're chipped and they're ugly and they're heavy, you know. Um, and so you can have vessels that are, not really very useful. They're not really designed very well. No effort's gone into them. Um, to, to, you know, they're just, it's not so great. And on the other side, you know, who has like a favorite coffee mug? A, a mug that they love and that's their mug and you get a bit funny when people go to make a coffee and they grab your mug for them. 
and you think, oh, do I say something, do I not? You know, I hope they don't break it. I had this mug. It was so cool because I like to sit on my couch and read my Bible. And um, my husband says I like to live dangerously because I put my coffee cup on the couch next to me because I just, you know, the table's too far. So I had this awesome mug years ago and it had a really wide base and then it was kind of like a narrower top. And I loved that vessel because it was so useful and practical and I loved the shape. It was the right shape vessel for what I wanted to, I wanted to, to use. So vessels matter, the shape of the vessel, the size, the way that it's been shaped and done. And so you can have great vessels and you can have vessels that uh, are not so great and that you're sitting in your cupboard and, that you, you know, not really useful. 2 Timothy 2.15, we're going to talk about the process that vessels have to go through to help us honour the vessels, the ministers of God, the process that God has told them to go through. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we're going to read verses 19 to 21. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth him that are, them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honour and some to dishonour. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honour. Say, a vessel unto honour sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work a vessel unto dishonor just to put it in a bit of context i skipped over it for time's sake but verses 16 to 18 talks about two people who'd overthrown people's faith by preaching and teaching incorrect word so that they'd erred from the truth and by them the faith of some had been overthrown so when he's talking about vessels unto dishonor that's what he's talking about and I won't explain in the natural what he means when he says in the master's house, there are some vessels for honourable use and there's some vessels for much less honourable use. I'll let you work it out. Vessel unto honour. He, he says to study to show yourself approved in verse 15. Verse 19, depart from iniquity. Verse 21, purge yourself from these. There's a work that ministers are required to go through. There's a standard that they're required to mature to. There's an effort that goes into being a vessel unto honour. There, there is an appointment and an anointing that's sovereign of God. But there's a work that the minister is required to go through so that they are a vessel unto honour, not a vessel unto dishonour, overthrowing people's faith. This is to help us honour and value the vessels unto honour. The work that they go through. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through to 7. But we're going to skip a couple verses. So 1 to 2 to start with. Here's a, a more detailed description of what a good vessel can look like. Second Corinthians 4, 1 says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... So Paul's talking about his role as a minister. It's good to know context when you're studying the Bible. Have a look at who's speaking, who they're talking to, and what they're talking about. Just threw that in there. Paul's talking about his role as a minister. As we have received mercy, we faint not. So here's one, here's one uh, indication of a great vessel. We faint not. Good vessels don't quit. Good vessels don't stop. Paul said, as a good soldier endure hardness. So a good vessel is one that's not so fragile and frail that if you just put it down too hard, it's going to smash. A good vessel is one that's not, um, you know those cheap paper cups that if you, you have your coffee in it too long 
or like McDonald's cups. Have you ever noticed that? They're good for about two hours. If you leave them sitting on the bench or something overnight, they just leak. They, they don't hold. They're not, they're not sturdy. They're not going to make it through a little bit of toughness. We faint not, verse 2. But we have renounced hidden things of dishonesty. Ministers should be clear and see through. No funny business going on deep inside. Renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. Ministers should be honest. They should be a clear vessel. You can see the contents through me. There's no hidden stuff inside. I've renounced that stuff. So a, a good vessel is one that's clear. Not walking in craftiness. So holiness inside of us. Who wants to drink out of a dirty cup? Good vessels are clean. And the blood of Jesus has cleaned us out and washed us out. But here he talks about not walking in craftiness. A good vessel should be honored because it is not a simple, cheap thing to be a good vessel. You find a good vessel, you honor that vessel. You treat it right. Not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, not mishandling the word of God, not when you go to drink it, it's being poured out down the side, you know. I, I got a coffee cup, like again, cheap from Kmart. I've got to stop shopping at Kmart for some things. You know, I love Kmart though, it's so cheap. But, you know, I've got one of those coffee, those travel mugs and it leaks out of the bit, the join. You know, and I, I mean, I still drink it. Someone buy me a coffee. No, don't. But, um, but, you know, the point is not mishandling the word of God, not misusing it. You can have the word of God. It's a sharp sword, man. You can cut people up with the word of God. You can really destroy people with, the, with using scripture. Not handling the word of God deceitfully, not using it for that selfish gain. A good vessel is going to handle the word and pour out the word of God properly, but by manifestation of the truth. So the revealing of God's truth, the effective communicate, the effective passing on. Here I am as a vessel, I have contents. The manifestation of the truth, the effective passing on of that truth from me out into you. The man through manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Verse five. By the way, the in-between verses are always good, but we just don't have time. So go back and have a read. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. A good minister doesn't just preach their opinions and their thoughts and their experiences and their conclusions and how they see it and make it like it's scripture and make it like I think it, therefore it's right. No, a good minister, I can share my thoughts and my opinions, but I'm going to tell you that's my thought and that's my opinion. I'm here to preach the word of God. I'm here to preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. The word, scripture, a good vessel contains the right contents. A good vessel has the right stuff in it being poured out. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. A good vessel has humility and knows it's there to serve. A good vessel is not there to lord over the person drinking from it. A good vessel is there to come and pour out and serve the ones that are receiving from it. A plate and a cup and a vessel containing God comes to serve the ones 
that it's, it loves the ones who, and I tell you, man, sometimes like my son, he's one, I give him food, psh, off onto the floor. <laughs> but that vessel is there to serve. Pick it up. Let's try again. He's one. If my nine-year-old does it, it's a different reaction. But my one-year-old, I'm there to serve. Ministers and a good vessel have humility. Verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. A good vessel is one who's had God shine in their hearts. They've filled up and they've received the light of God. A good vessel has had Christ, God, filling them up. You know, it's a skill for all of us to learn how to fill up in God. We're going to learn how to come into prayer, come into worship, come to the Word. It doesn't come naturally. You sit down and after 10 seconds, suddenly the dishes look good or suddenly the phone's binging or, you know, there's a, there's a learning of how to come and let Christ shine in our heart. All you have to do is really be open and focused. It's not that hard, but you do have to learn to do it, to let God shine. A good vessel is one, have you ever had a kettle that's too hard to fill up? It's really annoying. Like you try to, again, a cheap Kmart kettle, for example. <laughs> I need some better stuff. Honey, we're going shopping after this. Um, no response. So, we, you know, it's, it's hard to open. It's, it's hard to get it open. And if I don't bother opening it, I'm trying to fill it through the little. It's difficult to fill up. It's difficult to put into. A good vessel is not difficult to pour into. It has an open enough input that it can receive from God. That's an aspect. That's an attribute of a good vessel and a good minister. That God has, shine, has commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. They're good receivers and they're good pourers. They're good at getting it out. They're good at giving what's been received. It's not like a little trickle, like you try to pour it out and it's just this little teeny tiny opening and nothing's coming out because there's no air to get back. So it just drips out. You know, you need, it's got a great spout. It's got a good, you know how some glass, even just some glasses and some cups, they just pour out really well, you know. They pour out really well. So to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, the light of God, in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And we're going to talk more about that. But you're getting the picture of what a great vessel looks like. And it takes a lot of work and effort. Ministers don't just, it's not effort. If you're a minister, don't just wing it based on your anointing and the fact you've been given a position. Put some effort into who you are so that we're filling up on the Word, we're filling up on the Spirit, and we're effective at communicating, serving, and pouring it out into other people. But how would we esteem and value that? 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, ministers, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourself. And so this is where we see the picture of the honor we're supposed to have for the vessels of God. I esteem them very highly in love. Why? Because they're God and they're gonna do it for me? No, for their work's sake. So we esteem ministers of God. We don't worship them as God, but I value all the effort and the work that they've put in to be effective communicators and deliverers of God to me. 
They're not the middleman in my covenant with him, but I value them. How would you treat that, that coffee cup? You know, how would you treat that vessel that you, you know, I've got a nice setup. I've got those terrible Kmart ones, but I've got a really nice set too that are like an heirloom passed down from my parents. And I treat them really well because I value them. They have a separate place in the cup and I'm careful in the way I handle them. I protect them. I provide for them. We should be honoring, protecting and providing for the vessels of God. Paul writes about it all the time. We should be tithing. We should be. We should be blessing them. Praise God. They're not trying to balance a secular job just to get an income at the same time as trying to be great vessels for me. Praise God. I take care of them so that they can focus on their great purpose. I protect them. When someone comes along to knock that vessel off on the table, I'm like, uh-uh. You know, I protect that vessel. When someone comes, people don't come and, and divide and criticize to me anymore because they just know I can't stand it. Don't come to me with your complaints about the ministers. Sort it out. Get in the spirit. Forgive them. Be part of the answer. I don't know. I don't care. I can't stand criticism and division because we're in an army. We're in a body and there's something to do. So how do we treat the vessels of God? Honor them. Love them, protect them. But here's the key as well that keeps us out of the other ditch. So here was that ditch here where we dishonor the vessels of God. We need to honor them rightly because of all the work that they put in. Honor the vessels of God. But here's the other ditch over here where we start worshiping them and getting them confused. Distinguish between the vessel and the contents. The vessel has a purpose and the contents has a purpose. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 we just read, but we have this treasure in human or earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The vessel is not the bread of life. The vessel is not the water of life. I can't take that vessel and rub it on my face and receive anything. The vessel has no value except for what it contains. You can have an amazing, the best vessel you could ever find. And if you told me that vessel is never going to hold coffee again, I'd probably not have much value. There's no use for it. It has no purpose. It has no use. There's no point of being a vessel and being so full of yourself and so proud of myself. What am I going to do for the people? I got nothing. I'm the same as you. I have no difference to you, except I've been called, appointed, anointed, trained, and put the effort in to fill up as much as I can on God and pour him out. But you can go get God direct anyway. I'm not your middleman. I can't. Ministers shouldn't lord over the people like they're God. Thank God we are so blessed to have Daniel Hagen. And Chelsea Hagen, I tell you, I have never encountered ministers with the humility that they have. And I've been around for 17 years, different circles, different ministries, known different churches, and I've never seen humility like that. They're not perfect, but I'll tell you one thing, they have a lot of humility. They will not try to stand between you and God. Wow, not even a little bit. Even sometimes you want them to. You're like, could you just be God for me just for a little bit? And they just won't do it. And you're like, oh, but then you learn to go to God. Praise God. Isn't that good? I love that. Okay, we're going to read a couple more power, but how are we going? Too much scripture, we're okay? Not falling asleep. Acts chapter 3, verses 2, 2 all the way to 13. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, verse, starting at verse 2. It's an example, actually, verse 1. It's an example of two vessels, Peter and John, and they poured out God, and there were two different responses and different reactions to these vessels. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid... Oh, Verse 1, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain lame man, a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. 
who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. So this man wasn't seeing God, wasn't connected to God, wasn't hungering for God. He wasn't looking for God. And that's one of the reasons God uses vessels is because people, they're not hungry for God. They don't know. They're ignorant. They have no idea. So along comes a vessel. And it's okay, in a sense, if people aren't looking at God, you say, hey, look at me. So they, look at the, they looked at the vessel of God and asked for something. And they asked for something natural, which was money. Verse 4, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. It's okay for a vessel to want to get your attention so they can then do something for God. So they, the vessel, a good vessel is actually one that draws attention to itself in the right way. We're going to keep reading. Don't end there. Hey, look at us. That's it. <laughs> you know. Um, but a vessel is one that's attractive. It's appealing. It's an appealing vessel. Look on us. Verse 5, And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. Now the something he was expecting is different to the something that they had. He was expecting something natural, but he was going to pour out something supernatural. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. The natural thing that people want out of us is not what we're there to provide. What I said before, be my friend, be my counsellor. I need money, I need housing. It doesn't mean we can't bless Bible does talk about making sure we're backing up what we're doing with giving whatever we can but that's not the answer I can't just give you money and that's it be blessed that's all you're just going to need more next week anyway it's not that I'm here to just give you counseling I, I do believe in counseling there's some really traumatic stuff that can happen to people and you need help and I get that that's fine but we're not here just to be people's counselors and give them the natural thing that they're looking for he said uh, silver and gold have I none but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He gave him the bread of life and the water of life. He gave him Jesus. That's what the vessel does. The vessel gives out God. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. What a great and effective vessel for God. And he leaping stood up and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking, leaping and, and here's the key, and praising God. He got it right. He was praising God. He didn't praise the vessels. He praised God. Thank you, God. He knew God had done it for him. God had done this for him. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew. Now watch their reaction. It's different. And they knew that it was, they knew that it was he which sat for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. You know, there's a difference between faith praises God. Wonder and amazement sometimes is just like, I can't believe that happened. How did you do that? It's not necessarily wicked, but see the focus is on them, on the vessel. It's on them. Wow, you did that. How did you do I'm amazed at you. I'm wondering at you. And you're going to see this is right because of their response. Verse 12, when Peter saw it, he answered the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob and of the fathers has glorified his son Jesus. He knows. Stop looking at the vessel. You know, when you receive a miracle or when God pours out something through a minister, don't marvel at the minister. Don't stare and wonder, how did that happen? Praise God. Give God the glory. Look to God. Hunger for God. But honor the vessel. It's said in there that as the man who was he healed held Peter and John. 
can't remember which verse it's in, but it's in there, in verse 11, I think, which was healed, held Peter and John. He honoured the vessel. He had the right honour, but he praised God. You know, if you get blessed by a vessel, it's just so amazing. You listen to him and God is pouring out. You're, you're watching YouTube or in this place, you know, Dan and Chelsea and Greg and the great ministers of God. Don't marvel at them. Don't wonder at them. Praise God. You know, I was in a situation where God was moving and there was a minister pouring out just wow it was like wow God's pouring out and I watched the reaction of the group of people and some people were staring at what was happening with wonder and amazement they were in the flesh just watching like wow isn't that amazing other people man they were just off with God in the midst of what was moving and happening and they were in the spirit and they were worshiping and God was rocking their world and they were they they had their eyes fixed on God and yet others were spectating don't be a spectator when God moving don't stare at the vessel be hungry for the contents which is everywhere it's not like God is only in them God's everywhere hunger for him worship him when God is breaking out don't stare at the vessel he's using for God to break out you can still be hungry and want to get in there I want to eat some drink some of that but it's God I'm hungering for the contents and I'm praising and I'm worshiping the contents because if we there's a ditch a really dangerous ditch and this is my last main point that we can fall into when we start to not distinguish between the vessel and the contents. So we got to praise God, the contents, hunger for the contents and honour the vessel and don't get them mixed up. Because if I look and I fixate on that vessel, that man or woman of God, we're going to fall into, there's a couple of ditches that we can fall into. And I'm just going to read a couple more verses from Exodus about, Mo, about Moses and the people of Israel. So Exodus chapter, well, chapter 17, Exodus 17, verse 3. So God uses this amazing vessel, Moses. And Moses is effective. He's not God. He's not perfect. He's not amazing in the sense of he it was Moses. It was God in him, on him, moving through him. He was God's servant. And God supernaturally delivers millions of slaves out of Egypt. I mean, supernatural. You want to talk about a supernatural event in the Bible, this is probably it other than the death and resurrection of Jesus. Seven plagues that came down. A pillar of fire, a pillar of smoke. He parts the ocean. This is not a man doing this stuff. It's God that's doing it. And Moses is his servant, his vessel. Yet the people of Israel fixate on Moses. They fixate on the vessel and they place an expectation on the vessel. And the people thirsted there for water and the people murmured against Moses and said, wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt? So first of all, they credit slash blame him for for where they're at. He didn't do it. God did it to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst. In 1524, it says the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? They fixated on the vessel and the minister of God and they said, you brought us out here. You did this. Now you give us water. You give us water. You brought us out here. You're going to kill us if you don't give us water. You give us water. And if we don't understand, they're just a vessel for God in them. If we don't understand, it's God who we don't need a middleman for. They Look, it's old covenant, yes, but they could still have just hungered for God and had faith toward God. Not talking about doctrine of being filled and saved, just hunger and attitude to God. 
So if we don't have our own go-to for God, if we stare at the man and woman of God and expect them to be God, we're going to be so disappointed. We're going to be so let down because they just, they can't be God. They, Moses couldn't have done any of the stuff that, you know, the men and women of God who God has used to touch us, they themselves are a vessel. They didn't quench your thirst. They didn't give you bread that causes you to never hunger again. Well, they they weren't the bread. They helped offer it up, but they weren't the bread. They weren't the contents. So don't look at the vessel and demand, why aren't you giving me more? Why aren't you, I need more from you. Give me more. You be more for me. You be be my answer. You be the, the one that quenches my thirst. And it led to such a great accusation. I mean, poor Moses. He's now just, they've been crying out for a deliverer, crying out to God for someone to help us get out of this situation, calling out, God, send someone. And instead of gratitude, thank you for putting your neck out there. Thank you for going to Pharaoh for us on our behalf. Thank you for going through what you've gone through. Instead of gratitude, they're giving attitude and they're accusing him. You have killed us and our children. Ouch. Man, and being a vessel of God, I tell you, being a minister, sometimes you get the worst accusations made against you when you've just served people. You know, how dare we be murmuring against the ones that have done so much for us? If your accusation is you're not God, that's a good accusation to make. You're not not doing what God should be doing for me. Well, that's okay. They're not meant to. They're a supplement. We are supposed to go to God and hunger for Him and trust Him. Instead of blaming, because that's, that's one of the pitfalls that happens when we idolize the vessel of God. There's a, a lot of things that can happen. You can end off on weird doctrine, because whatever they say must be God. They're, they're, they're God's man or woman of power. So whatever they say is God. They're a vessel. If they're pouring out the right contents, praise God. If they're pouring out the wrong contents, don't drink it. You don't have to have an attitude and spit it in their face. You just choose not to drink it. It's not hard. They come along with the plate and they're offering food. You can just, you know, even politely take it if you want and just shove it in your napkin, you know. Don't have to eat it. I'm not having a go and I'm not saying, don't spit out what God is feeding you. But if you have a genuine conscience where you don't believe that it's God, no man, woman can open your mouth and force you to eat. You are responsible for what you eat. I am responsible for what I eat. I don't need to have a go at them. They're trying to bless me and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should be eating it. I don't know. Right now it smells a bit funky. I maybe just err on the side of not eating it, you know, but I don't need to have a go at them. I don't, um, um, are you waiting for like a perfect, are you waiting for a perfect chef and vessel and cook and you're just waiting for perfection? It's not going to happen. It's in the word. Go, that's why. Praise God. No mediator, no middleman. Go to the word. Read and pray daily. Read and pray daily. And I don't mean read a devotion. I don't mean read one verse and then Joyce Meyer's thoughts on it, which I still love. That's great, but I mean read the Word. Read it. Read big chunks of it. Read it in context. Read it every day. It's there for you. Read it. Go to the bread of life and drink. So that's one of the pitfalls that you can fall into is expectation, disappointment that leads to murmuring and accusation. They're a vessel. They're not the contents. One last verse, Exodus 32 verse 1. Exodus 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses 
<laughs> Praise God for Moses. I love, where, where's Moses? I forgot about you, Moses. He's awesome. What an amazing worship leader. Way off topic, but I said that name, but I'm just like, oh man. A ve- okay, vessel, there we go. That's a great example, isn't it? Aren't we grateful for a vessel of God? He knows how to fill up with the Spirit of God, man. And he knows how to get in the presence of God. And he knows how to fill up on the anointing to worship. And he worships at home and he puts all that work in. And he comes and we don't come and drink of Moses. We don't come and eat of Moses. But we're so grateful that he's here pouring it out. And I come and eat and drink of God. And I'll honour him. Do you need some water? What do you need? What can I do for you? Protect and honour this vessel. Don't treat it lightly and, and deny it its time. Back to the scripture. And, Mo, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. As soon as the vessel wasn't available, the people packed it up and quit. They all chucked a fit. Just because the vessel wasn't there. The vessel's gone. What are we going to do? There's no vessel here. We've got to take that expectation off the vessel. We've got to take that middleman mentality out of how we see the vessel of God. Who cares if the vessel is here or not? God is here. And I will hunger for God. I will seek God. I will trust God. I will expect of God. I will come to God and I'll believe and I'll receive of God. I love his vessels, man. I love it when they pour out what they pour out. But I'm not going to, when they're gone, chuck a fit and say, you know, as for this Moses, the man that brought us up and did this, we don't even know what's happened to him. He's gone. He hasn't come back. He was off doing what God told him to do. Poor Moses. He's off obeying God. And everyone's, where's Moses? We don't need Moses. We need God. We need God. We need God. We need you, God. We need God. And yet God uses vessels. If the vessel isn't available, it doesn't mean God's not available. Glory to Jesus. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one or for other information, check out our website at firechurch.com.au. Thank you.